What's up, y'all? Welcome back into the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. Tanner Dimling here with y'all. As always, Duke, Penn State, Notre Dame, Virginia. Those are the four teams who have moved on to Championship Weekend and will be fighting to play on Memorial Day this weekend. We'll recap those quarterfinal games and talk a little bit about the upcoming semifinals on Saturday here on today's episode of the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast, which you can listen to on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcast. You can also watch on YouTube as well. So, two Championship weekend. We are in the home stretch here. Championship weekend this weekend. Saturday, the semifinals. Monday, the title game. Duke and Penn State will be playing in one of those games. And the other, Notre Dame and Virginia, part three. We'll take a deeper dive into those games on Thursday's show. Uh, but certainly we'll talk about how we got this set up here today uh, or, or, or this weekend uh, with what went down in the quarter finals. Before we get to that, I do want to mention some news that actually broke just before we hit record here. So this is per Inside Lacrosse's Terry Foy and Ty Zanders. Um, Some of the biggest transfer portal news of the season so far. Princeton's Jake Stevens and Sam English all heading to Syracuse as grad transfers for 2024. Christian Ronda is heading to Michigan. And you also have Jacob Stobner who is heading to... Johns Hopkins. Uh, some of the biggest names in the portal um, so far uh, that we've seen here from the you know um, grad transfer cycle this year um, in terms of guys entering the portal so far and finding homes so far. Um, all of these guys went in there uh, in the fall, I believe it was. All those Princeton guys did, and a good chunk of them uh, appear to have now, uh, you know, found their options here for 2024. We'll certainly talk more about that in, in, in deeper context um, as we get deeper into, as we hit the summer and get deeper into uh, that off-season talk there in terms of acquisitions and in terms of coaching carousel and and, and, and all of that uh, that's going to go on this summer once we hit June um, and you know, even here in late May. About the lacrosse that we had over the weekend. Saturday's games, 17-14, Virginia over Georgetown. Duke, 15-18, 
over a uh, 15 to 8, excuse me, over Michigan. I want to talk about this Virginia game first, real quick. Um, 10 point day for Connor Schoenberger. He proved, as did Brennan O'Neill, we'll talk about here in a second, why he belongs on that stage there as a uh, Twilton finalist. Um, I know there's been some talk this season about he was a little iffy at times, middle of the year. He did deal with some injuries, but he broke through in this game and a fantastic game that he had there in this Virginia win. Um, the biggest thing with me in this game, you know, it Virginia just being able to capitalize more on their opportunities. When you look at the faceoff dot, it was 50-50. That was one of the areas coming into the day that you looked at and said, okay, what is this actually going to be? Is it going to be 50-50? Is it going to be, you know, uh, a, a one team holding a significant edge over the other there? Um, and you certainly asked those questions when you looked at Georgetown's James Riley and his injury, uh, you know, uh, situation here as of late, maybe not being 100%. Um, Virginia, you know, th th they get up 7-4, to four and like, they, I don't believe they ever trailed, no, they did not, never trailed in this game. Just nine seconds in the contest, Schellenberger found the back of the cage off a P.D. Lasala assist. Um, you had another one just seconds later, um, and it, it, it was, you know, within 16 seconds, this was a 2-0 ball game. And not that the game was over right then and there, but, I, but like, you knew when Virginia went up 2-0 in that manner and setting that tone, it was going to be a rough day for Georgetown. And that Virginia was going to bring it um, as they have all season and, and as, they, as they traditionally have done here in the post season um, really was a you know six one run late in this game that helped Virginia. I believe it was the fourth quarter where Virginia really pulls away. It felt like they were ahead the entire time, and like kudos to Georgetown for uh, coming back into this game. And and, and you're down seven to four, but they still fought back, and it was a ten ten game, um, and, and then eleven eleven game uh, there early in. Uh, the third, um, it was 10-9 at half. You know, you saw Georgetown be able to chip away but never get in front. And even when they were down two, maybe three goals, it, it felt like the deficit was a lot bigger than that because of the way Virginia was able to not only possess the ball, and like we mentioned the faceoff dot, it was 50-50, but... They were also playing much better defense and getting those stops there. Um, Virginia's defense caused all four of Georgetown's turnovers in the final 15 minutes and change. I think that late game 
defensive effort was significant here. Um, Matthew Nunes didn't have a, a, like a, a stellar day. He went 48%, but improved as the game went on. Uh, Virginia caused all 12 of Georgetown's turnovers, which, again, included four late in the game, five in the second half total. Cole Kastner, uh, big day for him in, 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 at close. Cade Sostad. I mean, this was a game where I think Virginia's defense really set them apart uh, from Georgetown and being able not only to get those possessions at the dot like they did with Lasala when he gets hot, but also to be able to turn away the opposition, go down on the other end, and score at will. This next one we're not going to talk too much about because, frankly, um, there's not really too much to really deliver here, but Duke 15, Michigan 8. Um, great season for Michigan. First time winning the Big Ten. First time making the NCAA tournament. First time winning an NCAA tournament game, which they did in, in the first round. First time in the quarterfinals, obviously. Great season for them. A fantastic season. They just didn't have what it took to beat Brennan O'Neill. Brennan O'Neill, six goals, one assist. One of the biggest question marks coming into this game was can Michigan cover Brennan O'Neill? And the fact of the matter is they couldn't. They couldn't. If they played three more times, maybe they figure it out. But they couldn't. And certainly when you look at um, the injury that we saw there, which um, name is currently escaping me, the uh, Michigan defender who was out of this game on uh, Saturday it was. Let's pull that up real quick. Um, but with that, as I search for the name, who I cannot remember, with that, it is that Michigan, ba uh, Michigan basically had to move everyone up an assignment. And look, that Brennan O'Neill is great, but they've got great players around him as well. And this was just um, Ryan Schreiber is who was out. And that's who I was thinking of, but I want to make sure that. Ryan Schreiber was out for uh, this game for Michigan. And um, just, uh, I think, a, a big blow there. Because, like I said, Michigan had to basically move guys up a, um, a matchup and, and all of that. I, I just, you know, Michigan was, this is another game, like, they kept it close for a while. Um, but, you know, and Peter Thompson, he put that one, I think it was late in the third, um, eight to five. After that, it didn't really feel like Michigan was in the game at all. Um, after, after that tally, there was the, those the, uh, two goals, Zawada, I think was end of the third, end of the second, and then Thompson, I think was to begin the third, a man up goal. Those, that was the last instance there when it was eight to five when I felt like Michigan had like the ability to get back in this game. But similar to the Virginia-Georgetown game, even when Michigan got within two or three, 
it really didn't feel like they were within that because Duke was so dominant, not only on offense, but also on defense. Uh, Jake Naso was phenomenal in uh, at the dot there, 51% um, performance there at the dot. William Helm had 14 saves, 63% save percentage. He was fantastic, and I think a big part of why Duke won this game, again, was that defense that they had and that the way they were able to hold off a Michigan offense that's been really good this season. And, like, I'll mention this. Man-up success was a big part of why Michigan was as close as they were in this game. They went 3 for 6 on the man-up overall um, on the day. And, like, that last one I mentioned was where they got it within 8 to 5. And, again, the last time that you really felt like Michigan was in the game at all as Duke was able to pull away, get the win, and, and punch their ticket to championship weekend. Um, a little breaking news here at, on the podcast. Uh, senior midfielder Dalton Hubs out of Transylvania Division Three in Lexington, Kentucky, will be heading to Jacksonville as a grad transfer last year. Very interesting uh, pickup here. Um, very interesting. Um, Dalton Hubs, uh, great player. Um, you know, went to Trinity High School. Um, Watched him play a lot. Um, a fantastic midfielder there for Transylvania at a you know solid you know middle of the road I would say D three program in terms of competitiveness. Now like they're not going to go up and beat Tufts or Salisbury or anything like that, but they've been pretty good. They've been pretty decent within the conference um, uh, conferences through through their history. And have been uh, pretty successful. Um, and Dalton Hub stepping up to Division One, obviously Coach Galloway and that staff see something in him that that can be useful to them uh, at that level. So we'll be interesting to see uh, what the uh, the Bluegrass boy does down there in the Sunshine State. Always love to see that. Um, and, and just uh, interesting, interesting pickup to say the least. But 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 one that I think could. Very much work out and, and benefit both sides in that one. Moving on to Sunday's games. Um, Penn State 10, Army 9. Penn State staved off a fierce Army comeback in this one. Um, so Penn State heading back to championship weekend for the first time since 2000. And 19 uh, beat the Black Knights 10 to 9, as I said, staving off that comeback. TJ Malone, four goals. Matt Trainer had two. Jacob Malone had three assists on the day. Jack Facion, 11 saves, 55% save percentage. Um, and I think notable here is the Penn State defense being able to hold up the way they did. Um, so Jack Posey goes out. I believe it was the second quarter. The top defenseman is out the rest of the game, was seen on the sideline with a boot, as far as I understand it. Um, and I believe you can even see it in the uh, TV shots. 
very detrimental injury to Penn State, you would think. It didn't end up necessarily being that way. This defense played fantastic down the stretch in terms of holding off Army. Will Coletti went 81% at the dot in the second half. He went 8 for 11 in the second half. Army came back from down 8 to 3 in the th- early in the third quarter and pulled it to 10 to 9 with 341 left. Penn State was allowing a lot of looks. Army was getting a lot of possessions. And again, kudos to Army for the comeback. They kind of did what they've done. Like they hang around. Um, and they never gave up. And that's that's one of the best things to see that we've seen this year about this Army team. Now Penn State also never let up. And and they forced they pushed back as much as they could. And you could see at the end of that game that Penn State defense was dog tired. They were exhausted um, from having to defend this Army team possession after possession after possession. You had a forced turnover, or a newly forced turnover on Evan Plunkett, um, a, a, a newly forced turnover, then Evan Plunkett. Grabbed the ground ball there. This is late in the game here. After a timeout is caught, I believe there was like uh, maybe a minute left. Um, a cross check from Penn State's Sam Sweeney, however, gave the Black Knights back the ball and a man up possession with 24 seconds left in the game. Penn State ends the day 2 for 2 on man down, including that stop there with just seconds left. And look, Jacob Marin does grab the ball, does put it in the back of the net, but as the um, replay rightfully confirms, it is a no-goal buzzer had already sounded, and Penn State wins the ball game. Like I said, TJ Malone, four goals on the day. Jacob Marin, Three on the uh, three on the day uh, in terms of assist for the Nittany Lions. Matt Trainer had two goals as well. This is a Penn State team that it showed once again just how fierce its offense can be in coming back from behind. They were down 2-0 at one point in this game early on. Um, T.J. Malone dodges A.J. Pilot and from behind the cage and puts it in. Before you know it. It's 6-2, um, you know, and 7-3 at the break. And from really that second, late first quarter on, it, it was kind of a game where Penn State Penn State led, but at least in the, in, in the third and, and the fourth, you kind of felt like Army was able to control it to an extent. Uh, but Penn State, again, the defense pushing back and, and being able to hang Hang on there late in this game. Uh, really, it, it was a, a, a big day there, uh, a big quarter that helped, uh, big, you know, 15 minutes plus that helped Penn State get ahead. They stay ahead. Not a good day for Chase Mullins. Goes um, 39% at the dot. However, when Penn State was rolling, he was playing well, 58% at the dot there. That included four consecutive wins to end the first quarter of play 
overall. And that is when you saw Penn State really starting to get into the groove offensively and, and ultimately helped them win that ball game, get the lead, and keep it to win the ball game. Notre Dame 12, Johns Hopkins 9. Notre Dame is going back to championship weekend for the first time since 2015. Chris Cavanaugh, three goals, one assist. Jack Jack Simmons, three goal, one assist. Jake Taylor, three goals. The thing that won Notre Dame this game, I I think, is the amount of depth that Notre Dame has. I think that's what won them this game. And that's the biggest takeaway I certainly have from this contest is their bench is deeper and more talented in many spots, more experienced, you could also say, than Johns Hopkins. Um, more motivated, maybe, as well, uh, with the uh, whole situation last year, which we will hear for, uh, you know, weeks on end um, if they do claim the title. And even so, just making it a championship weekend. Um, but... I mean, this was a game, I, I kind of felt like Notre Dame controlled it for the most part. It was a 12-9 to 9 game, but I felt like it was like, it felt like it was 12-6. to like six. Like, to, to, to be honest with you, Notre Dame played uh, like a, a lot better. Um, they, they held Hopkins 14-7 to seven in, in, in the clearing game, forced, you know, two field clears in the fourth quarter where Notre Dame really was able to kind of settle in and, and and push back against the Hopkins team that was trying to create a comeback. Uh, there, Liam Intamin, 10 saves, 52% save percentage there in cage. Um, like, look, they did what they could on, on Pat Kavanaugh, and he was held to just one assist. But, again, the depth of Notre Dame wins out in this one where you've got... If, if you want to kind of shut off Pat Kavanaugh, okay, it's Chris Kavanaugh. There's Jack Simmons, who stepped up and had a big game, and we see this um, every single every single season. Jalen Seymour, uh, who I believe had, like, what, two or three goals coming into the game, went into the tournament, and, and had a big day as well with two goals. Like, guys were coming out of the woodwork here offensively for Notre Dame in this contest. Um like the, the faceoff dot went as you would expect, um, with Will Lynch going forty-two percent, Matt Nowiski going seventy percent there for Johns Hopkins. Tyler Dunn went fifty percent, uh, taking just four faceoffs. Um, I, I, I think this is another game where you can you can say defense won, uh, but offense put them in that position to win uh, there. In this one, and again, just Notre Dame to me, um, and I thought this coming in as well. Like, felt like, felt felt like, and seemed to be the deeper team in this contest, and and maybe the more talented team, and 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 they showed it uh, on on Sunday, and and they're moving forward to championship weekend. Uh, one last thought before I get out of here for the day, you know. I was talking to someone about this last night, but how wide open this season 
felt going in. Um, it is a pretty chalky Final Four. It is a pretty chalky Final Four. Uh, you've got the number one, the number three, the number two, and the number five teams uh, in terms of seeding in, in, in Championship Weekend. That's not, that's, you know, and, and for even the amount of like, oh, we, we this this could be a tournament that, you know, we get an unseeded team or, or that there's going to be so many upsets or this, that, or the other. And I, I agree, this year uh, has been one of parity. This year has been one of, you know, very much a year where there's not necessarily one top dog and everybody else. Uh, it's, it's been a mixture, and it's been great to see. The ACC, the Big Ten, the Ivy League, um, a lot of these leagues just really not flipping upside down, but um, more or less just being more competitive across the board. Um, and, and that's great to see. The, the Big Ten's a prime example of that, right? Just talk about Hopkins and Michigan uh, in the quarterfinals. I, I, I don't think, if you were to ask me in February, if you were to say, Tanner, two Big Ten teams will make the quarterfinals, which two will it be? I wouldn't have named Hopkins or Michigan. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have. I probably would have named Hopkins before Michigan, um, but I, th they definitely would not have been my first two choices, and I, I don't think there's too many people that can say that. Uh, so certainly a lot of parity across the board. But it's a pretty chalky championship weekend. Uh, for the season that we have had, and uh, just one weekend left in the season, it's exciting. It's same time sad. The season is coming to an end, uh, but nonetheless, we are going to enjoy this last weekend of lacrosse Memorial Day weekend, where a champion will be crowned on Monday. Alright folks, that is it for this episode. As always, y'all can connect with us on social media at LacrosseBucket on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, lacrossebucket.com, where it's always lacrosse season.